Thanks for tuning in to LJN Radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Executive Decisions, a show where we bring in CEOs, presidents, and other high-level executives from a wide collection of businesses to discuss what goes on at the top of the food chain. Today's topic is Breaking the Glass, and we'll be talking with Krista Brookman, Senior Director of Inclusive Leadership Initiative at Catalyst, a New York-based nonprofit organization, about how she broke through the proverbial glass ceiling and became a top executive. Now, before we explore today's topic, Krista, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your current position? I would love to, Katie, and thanks so much. I really appreciate to be a part of the show today with you. As you mentioned, you know, Catalyst is a nonprofit organization. We're based in New York, and our mission is really, truly about expanding opportunities for women in business. Mm-hmm. You know, the work that underpins that mission is through our highly regarded and well-renowned research, the prestigious Catalyst Award that we give out to many companies throughout for the past um, number of years, and our day-to-day work with over with our over 600 member organizations. Okay. So, as you mentioned, I lead the the uh, Inclusive Leadership Initiative, which is a really a relatively new initiative for Catalyst. And we're really kind of seeing an opportunity here to bring real action to our research and help really create more inclusive workplaces by developing skills and inclusive behaviors for the next generation of leaders. For me, it's always been about you know, helping workplaces and workplace issues um, are a great interest. And I'm really, truly fortunate to work at a place that gets to the heart of this issue. Aligning a, a passion of mine to the, the my career is really um, what I love to do every day. And, you know, while we've just, you know, said that Catalyst is based in New York, I, I'm a virtual employee for Catalyst, which means I get to live, work, and play in a city that I truly love, which mm-hmm. is Milwaukee, and uh, not have to pay for parking in New York. So right. it's kind of it's nice that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, according to Catalyst, I found a statistic on your website that says that women currently hold 4.2% of the Fortune 500 CEO positions and 4.6% of Fortune 1000 CEO positions. Now, in your opinion, why do you think that number is so low? You know, Katie, at Catalyst, we talk a lot about this. I mean, this is really kind of the root and crux of our our research and what we do. And the fact remains is that it's unfortunate that barriers still exist within organizations. And both men and women face hurdles to career advancement. And, however, our research has consistently shown that women face additional barriers that men do not. These barriers include things like inclusion from informal networks, lack of formal role models, and gender stereotypes about what a leader should look like. We kind of call that the Goldilocks syndrome. Sometimes they're too soft, others are too hard, but never just right. Okay. So the good news is that companies um, that have women in their senior leadership ranks and on their board of directors really kind of change the, changes the entire organization. And here's what we're told from our members. Companies with more women in their leadership equals a good company. This helps create a more fair work environment, helps with more opportunities for women, which creates more opportunities for everyone in the workplace. So diversity well-managed produces better results for different people with different views and helps solve problems and leads to new ideas and solutions for the entire organization. So part of the reason why I invited you to come in today is because you, as a woman, you're in that executive role. So what did you do to advance yourself, whether that would be, you know, coming in early, staying late, taking on extra projects or research? Mm-hmm. 
you know, for me, it's always been doing a couple of different things. Um, one of the things that I do and I try to do is really be visible and make a big point about being seen within my organization. I really try, even from the beginning of starting a new role or job, I really try to, you know, get out and make a concerted effort to meet with people, take new colleagues to lunch, go out for coffee in the morning, talk to them about what they work on, learn a little bit more about what they do, and really develop relationships. I think that's really key in, in a lot of the work um, that what equals to success. The other piece, you know, other things I do is I really like to make sure that my boss knows about the work that I do and what others do on my team. Okay. So, you know, I think it's really important that not only that I'm getting visibility for the work that I'm doing, but the other people who are a part of my team are getting acknowledged for the contributions they're making to the organization. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Now, did you face any additional challenges as an executive in the workforce, kind of bringing yourself up into that position? You know, I think, you know, for me, it's always been about, you know, wanting it all and being able to have it all Mm -hmm. um, and the challenges that come along with that. So, you know, there's a fascinating article um, by Anne-Marie Slaughter that was in in the Atlantic that's been well quoted in all the media about, you know, this uh, topic uh, overall. I think that, you know, being a working mom, you you really, you know, you're forced to make choices about who gets my time. um, And it can be really one of the the toughest things for me to to have to to choose between, um, you know, going to my son's uh, curriculum night or being on the road for work. And sometimes I, I have to choose being on the road for work because that's what's a priority at that point in time. But fortunately, I do work for an organization that truly walks the talk with this and provides a type of flexibility to shift my focus where I'm needed the most. Mm-hmm. So it really helps manage work life and career and those those challenges about having it all. Now, what are one or two key suggestions for women today if they're interested in attaining an upper level management position in the future? Well, I think there's a couple of things that women can do. Certainly, you know, at to what I was talking about earlier is you know, being visible, making sure that achievements are seen and being a known entity within an organization. Another thing that is really sometimes can be challenging for women is to take risks. And, you know, taking risks can is really sometimes necessary in your career. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a risk in terms of, you know, taking on a, a project or assignment that you might not feel 100% sure that you can do, but, you know, you just have to raise your hand and, and try to take that on and be confident to take that risk. Those stretch opportunities are sometimes few and far between, and, it's, and it can be an opportunity to shine within the organization. I think another uh, piece with that also is getting feedback. And this can be really hard to take, but can be very necessary um, to advancing your career. And finally, I think it's about, you know, helping to find those mentors and sponsors. And we haven't talked a a lot about either one of these pieces about mentors and sponsors, but I think, you know, having those in your career are incredibly important. Um, Mentors, you know, as you, you know, may know, are those, those people that are people you have a relationship with that are helping develop you and help navigate your career. On the other hand, a sponsor is really somebody who has significant influence within the organization and has decision power 
powers that really truly advocates on your behalf. So these are people that are behind those closed doors and those senior leadership um, meetings that are pounding their fist on the table saying, we want this person to to take on this role or or be promoted um, and such. Okay. Now, how would you go about getting a sponsor or like approaching someone to ask them to sponsor you or whatever project that you're working on? I think it, it it comes down to a couple things, and it's about building those relationships. So really getting to know people within your organization who can provide those mentoring traits that you might be looking for in terms of you know understanding and navigating your career. And then building relationships with senior leaders within your organization, too, and helps make those um, projects that you're working on more visible uh, to them as well. And they can be your sponsors. And sometimes you may not even know who your sponsor is. Um, I've heard, you know, many stories about people who haven't found out about their sponsor to until many years after they were either had left the organization or they had moved into different roles, and that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Now, regardless of gender, what kind of personality and qualities are required to be a successful executive? You know, we need to just make sure that organizations are looking at all the talent in their workforce. You know, I would like to see both men and women in leadership positions. And as our research shows, over 50% of women are in manager roles. So it's clearly not a supply problem, but a demand one. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting um, to be an executive at an organization where you know, we can research some of these inequalities, but we also have the opportunity to really make some real change within organizations as well. Now, when looking at women roles in executive positions, do you think that their personality and qualities carry more or less weight than men? No, I think it goes back to making sure that, you know, we have women, both men and women in these leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now what is the big difference that attributes you know, men versus women in that executive role? Is there any difference in like how they could handle themselves or what really sets women apart from men as an executive? You know, really, Katie, I back to the fact that I do think that there aren't, that it's really about having, you know, equality in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to really, organizations really need to look at the entire organization to really find success in this area. Okay. Now, regarding your personal career, what was the turning point when you knew that you wanted to be in an executive role? Um, You know, I don't think there was never a turning point per se, but it was more about um, strategic career decisions I've made along the way. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's been, you know, if I felt that I had outgrown a role and I think that there was opportunities there that, you know, I needed to find elsewhere. Um, I also had an amazing sponsor, mm-hmm. and you know he, the sponsor did a lot of great things for me. Um, it was a male, and he had significant influence um, in decision making processes, and really was that table pounder for me behind those closed doors, which um, also helped advocate for some of the projects that um, led to more visibility um, and um, recognition within the organization. I know that some college students are chomping at the bit and they're like, I'm going to be an executive in five years. No problem. I got this. So realistically, what what is the good like timeline for someone who wants to strive to be in that executive role? How long do you think it should realistically take for that to happen? 
how I view this, I, it's not really a set amount of time, but it's really those experiences you build along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the risks, raising your hand, asking for new challenges. I think those actions lead to projects and those experiences that certainly can help um, advance careers. Okay. Now, to kind of switch gears a little bit, you had mentioned previously that you are a mother. Now, do you feel that the impact of your work-life balance as statistics still show that women are primarily managing and operating the household? And you know, how do you manage it all? I know you talked about like catalysts having, they're really flexible, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, flexibility can only go so far. Right. And, you know, I think today, this is just not you know, our mother's workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, as more women are the primary breadwinners, and it's, you know, shows that this is, you know, not typical as in years past. So I think it takes both partners. Um, So for me, similar to what Sheryl Sandberg brings forth in her book, it's all about having the right partner. I, you know, I have a great husband who's really terrific at stepping up and stepping in to, you know, help take care of, you know, our son. And for me, I had to be really comfortable about letting things go and not try to make everything perfect. And, you know, the fact that it's done is, is now these days, it's fine by me. You know, my husband does a great job and he will, you know, like I said, step up, take care of our son when I'm on the road. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just better not to ask what he's wearing or what time he went to bed. The fact that I know that he's been loved and well taken care of while I've been gone is more than enough and what's important to me these days. That's awesome. So as an executive and a female senior director, do you have any like big concerns with your job, with your personal life and making all of it happen? Are you just really comfortable knowing that you have a support system there that will back you up? Um, I think for me, it's about looking into the future, ensuring that the future generations of women leaders are, you know, have footsteps to follow in. I think being a good role model by mentoring and sponsoring women along the way. And, you know, certainly I'm a huge believer in paying it back and by paying it forward. Mm -hmm. I've heard that there's a lot of pressures and stress that come along with being an executive or a senior director. What are some of the perks that come along with that? Well, for me, um, I think it goes back to, you know, what we had started with is, you know, being able to align my passion to my career, working for this organization that's based in New York, a perk for me is that I do get to live here in Milwaukee and be this, be a virtual employee and still be a part of the city and community, business community that I really, truly love. I never in my wildest dreams ever thought this would be, you know, attainable or doable. But, you know, the way the world is today and the way technology is, it's certainly able to, to be done and be done well. Now, what are some of the things that you do to relax and somewhat keep your life homeostatic? So, you know, having a five-year-old, um, I, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of control of the TV anymore. But, <laughs> um, so, you know, I do love to read. Um, and when I, you know, I do love those moments when I, I can pick up a book and, and read again. From a outlet side of things, I, I play women's soccer. I, I'm an adult women's soccer league. I've been doing that for about 10 years. And every now and then on Sundays, I'll, I'll be able to get a game in and, and, and do that, which is really a lot of fun. That's great. Now, do you have any um, tips for any other executives out there that are looking to kind of unwind and release a little bit of stress from work for, you know, getting involved in something like that? I think you have to do with what feels great for you. Um, You know, everyone's different and, you know, certainly athletics and things like that are, are wonderful for me. But, you know, baking or 
shopping or, you know, name whatever you like is, you know, some, somebody else's passion and escape. So I think that, you know, find something like that to, uh, where you can escape and um, it makes a lot of the work uh, go along a little bit more smoothly every now and then. Now, do you have any final tips for our listeners out there about how they too could achieve an executive level position, whether they are female or male? Uh, no, I think it just goes back to those, you know, kind of, you know, individual activities, you know, taking some risks, being visible, um, making sure you understand who your mentor and sponsor is, and building relationships within the workplace. Well, all right, everyone, that's it today on Executive Decisions. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expert advice, Krista. Great. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. And to find more employment-related shows, head over to lgnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, email me at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I'll see you next time.